Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Matthew Turner. Matthew is a British author who wrote his latest book, Beyond the Pale, on the back of interviewing hundreds of successful entrepreneurs, authors, inventors, and thought leaders. As well as writing his own books, Matthew ghostwrites both articles and books for other successful entrepreneurs and thought leaders in between spending time with his two children. Thanks so much for joining me today, Matthew. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. Absolutely. I um, am really curious. And so my first question is, what is the anti-hustle? So I'm sure everyone listening will have an idea of what the hustle is. Something will kind of come into their mind. And more often than not, it centers around this notion of working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. It's this burning the oil at midnight. It's the Gary V kind of philosophy of just grind hard. And indeed, that is a toxic part of the hustle culture that isn't just prevalent today, but I think to an extent has always been there. But it goes much deeper. Back in in the day, you know, pre-internet, it used to be called like keeping up with the Joneses, just comparing yourself to somebody else. A few generations ago, that was just the people you saw in the magazines or on TV, maybe the people you came across in the office or, you know, the, the country club or whatever else. Sure. You know, you're comparing who you are to who they are, or you're even comparing yourself to that dream person you have in your mind. So we're always wanting a little bit more. We're always thinking that we could have it a little bit better. Today, it's far more prevalent because of social media, quite frankly, in the online world. Anyone listening to this right now is probably within reach of their phone and or laptop. And they're able to just enter Facebook or Instagram or whatever else. And within a few minutes, get an edited version of a few dozen people's lives. And we start to think they're happier than us. They look more successful. They look happier, more attractive, this, that, and the other. So we start to think, what do they have that we don't? And most of us, I think to an extent, all of us are brought up to work hard. If in doubt, work a little bit harder, study a little bit harder. It's what school teaches us, right? So if we feel like we're lacking something and someone else has more than us, then our go-to solution is to just work a little bit longer or harder. And that right there is the hustle the real notion of a hustle. It's not whether you work 70, 80, 90 hour weeks. It's more this idea of refusing to switch off because you're always comparing yourself to someone else or comparing who you are to who you want to be. So 
you check your emails, you say yes to this thing that you maybe should be saying no to. Mm. You're not just sitting in silence and doing what needs to be done. Instead, you're giving into temptation, not necessarily the temptation to do something that you want to do, but just doing that something that you feel like you have to do because you fear that you might miss out or you might make the wrong decision. So it's better to spread yourself in. So the anti-hustle is this awakening to what the hustle is, not just working long into the night. Again, that's a part of it. It's a toxic part, but it's, it goes much deeper than that. It's this premise that we're all locked into this ever-connected world and that we are constantly reaching for the phone, constantly saying yes, 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 constantly just doing a little bit more and then it takes us away from who we are. It stops us from having the freedom we desire. It stops from even plugging into what it is that we want from life, what success means to us, what fulfillment and meaning means to us. So we just go through the motions and we're just literally keeping up with the Joneses in a very figurative, but also a very literal sense. And it's exhausting. And if that's just for a few weeks, it's one thing, but when it becomes months and years and a lifetime, it's, well, it's toxic to say the least. So the anti-hustle is escaping that, being more comfortable with yourself, being more comfortable with who you are and where you are, not necessarily not having ambition and wanting more, that's all fine, but appreciating the journey that you're on, the fact that it's unique, the fact that it's yours, and that there's no point comparing your chapter five to someone else's chapter 25, and generally just looking after yourself, filling your own cup. That's right there is the anti-hustle. That, that's so great. It's so weird because the hustle, it feels like the hustle turns into the goal instead yeah. of, you know, being successful as you define it and living your best life and, you know, which is where we start out. It feels like it, it gets changed. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes we have to hustle. Some people will say, oh, They'll come across me and they'll say, oh, you're against the hustle, so you're against hard work. No. You can still have a strong work ethic. And right. sometimes you need to put in the hours. If you've got a launch coming up and you're on your own business or you've started a new business from scratch, you might have to work 50, 60, 70 hours. If you've got a new baby, you know, sometimes you've got to sacrifice sleep simply to look after that little bundle of joy. That is uh, far from joyful at the time. So sometimes we have to commit to the hustle. Sometimes we have to work longer and harder than we would like and grind those gears, but it has to be a means to an end. Wow. It really has to be a means to an end. When it starts to become the end and it becomes this glorified culture, this glorified version of success, as if being part of the hustle and grinding your gears is, is a badge of honor, that's when it becomes terrifying. That's when it just takes a hold of you and you have to basically sell your soul to the devil. You're going to be exposing your health, your relationship, your mindset, your well-being, everything to the hustle because it's the end goal. And it's, it's just worthless. It, it gets you nowhere. So if it's a means to an end and there's a genuine reason why you're hustling for a little while, that's fine. But when it just becomes the be all and end all, it's far from fine. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And and what's the like ultimate impact that this hustle culture actually has on people in their businesses? I mean, it can take on numerous forms. Not for my most recent book, but the book before it called The Success Mistake, I interviewed 160 odd entrepreneurs about failure, basically a time when they failed, a time when they made a mistake, a time when they hit rock bottom and the lessons they learned from that and how they managed to turn that around into some kind of version of success. And that's where this idea of hustle culture really became prominent in my life. I really kind of started to see it in numerous ways. And I started to see all these very different impacts that it would have on a person's business, but also their life overall. And I would speak to people who ended up in hospital because of the impact the hustle had on them. I found people who um, ended up getting divorced or losing their significant other, um, you know, becoming detached from their family, from their friends, from their kids because of a hustle. People who hit depression and had some other form of, you know, mental heartache. And then I also came across people who found themselves subconsciously self-sabotaging, sometimes their life, but often their business, plunging into debt or just making these poor decisions. And on a, on a, on a subconscious level, like they, they wanted it all to end. They kind of wanted their business to fail because there was this voice inside of them saying, like, this is not what you want. This is not the point. So they were miserable and they would just mask this misery with the pursuit of more success. But under the surface, they were self-sabotaging, whether that was turned to drink or drugs or gambling or you know, partying for the sake of partying, whether it was just trying to scale and grow their business for the sake of it and going further and further into debt because they had this, I suppose, belief that it would eventually work out okay, like the gambler's fallacy. It just became more and more prevalent. So it can take on so many different forms. It can affect your health. It can help you affect your well-being and your relationships, the personal ones and the professional ones. But it can also truly have a negative impact on your bottom line. Like people, I saw people lose their businesses because of this. They ended up owing the IRS or the tax office huge sums of money because they'd just become complacent. They were just throwing money at the problem because wow. they didn't know what they wanted. Right. And that's the, that's the ultimate thing to all this. When you slip into the hustle, and to an extent, I think we all are, but when you really find yourself going down that rabbit hole, when you really find yourself stuck on that hamster wheel, just going around and around and around, it feels itself. It's just vicious then it stops you from taking the time to step back, to consider what success actually means to you, to consider whether the decisions you're making today are helping you strive towards something better or actually taking you further away. It prevents you from just simply questioning whether you're sabotaging yourself or not. Mm -hmm. And so you end up plunging deeper and deeper into this whirlpool and whether it ends up affecting you mentally or physically or emotionally, 
professionally, personally, a mixture of all the things. I mean, it can take on many forms, but yeah, it eventually catches up. And when it hits, it hits hard. So this leads me right into um, my next question, which is, will you explain what is whole life balance and how it's different from work life balance? Yeah, so the difference is nuanced. I've always had this um, weird relationship with work-life balance. Like we're, we're led to believe that if we work hard, then we can play hard. And if you, uh, you, know, you work hard and you get into a good position, then you will be able to enjoy your weekends and enjoy your evenings, be in work mode and then be in you know, father mode or mother mode or friend mode or whatever else. And it never quite sit well with me because we only have one life. And this whole idea of work-life balance makes it seem like we have to live two types of lives or maybe even mm -hmm. three or four types of lives. And then what I've learned in recent years is when we commit ourselves to work-life balance, we end up wearing these different masks. So we become a certain type of somebody at work. And then we become a different type of somebody around our family. And maybe we wear a different kind of mask around a certain friendship group, that one that we've known since school. And a fourth type of mask around people that we've met in more recent years. So we try to segment our lives and we try to split our personality. So we're wearing these different hats, these different masks. We feel like we need to be a certain type of person in a certain type of situation. Yeah, we only get one life. And eventually it gets to a point where, at least in my experiences, it feels like, when, when am I actually me? When am I actually just Matthew? Who even is the genuine Matthew anymore? Because you end up wearing all these different masks. It's difficult to know like which version of you is actually you. And I feel like that's what work-life balance forces to do, forces to segment our life into these different segments, forces to wear these different masks. And it forces us to believe like we need to be a certain type of person around a certain type of person, a certain type of individual in certain types of situations. And I feel like that just completely defeats the whole purpose. So whole life balance is very similar but rather than trying to segment your life into these different segments and trying to wear these different hats, you just try to build a life that allows you to be you, whether you're at work, around the kids, around your family, around friends. It allows you to just be yourself and to just allow that person to come to the table and be their best self in whatever the situation may be. It's not to say that we don't set boundaries. It's not to say that you don't you know, set these boundaries so you can be present around the kids or if you're around your significant other being present there and when you're in work to really focus. It's good to have boundaries. But we're just bringing ourselves to the table, whatever that situation may be. And we appreciate that these boundaries are fluid. They're not set in stone. We don't have to work nine to five and then be away from work from five until bedtime. 
we go through different chapters in life. Having a six-year-old child is going to look very different to when they're 16 versus when they're 26. We go through these different chapters throughout life and we need to appreciate that the boundaries we set are going to change with these different chapters. And it's not about trying to fit a version of ourselves into each one, but just rather fit those situations around us. And for me, that means trying to involve my family with my work and trying to, you know, bring my work into my family life, you know, just so I'm able to be me in all those different instances. And I liken it to one of those old schooly type scales where there's two dishes on either end. And we have just, there's no digital scale here. We've just got the eye test. And around us, we've got all these different objects, but we don't know how much each one weighs. So we place an object on the left scale and it tips it to the left. So we kind of balance it with an object on the right. And we, through trial and error, just get it to balance. And maybe for a short time, we make it balance, but then a breeze comes away or something shifts on one end and it just knocks it off balance a little bit more. So we have to find another object to put on the left and then another one to right. So there's no such thing as like pure balance. There's no such thing as perfection. And if we do find a situation that feels like perfection, it's going to be fleeting because life evolves, it changes, we change, the people around us change, the situation changes. But it's fine because we'll just do our best to try and balance it out, add a little something to the left and then onto the right and so forth and so forth. And as long as we kind of get it close, then that's good enough. We're still going to be us. We're going to allow ourselves to be on the table, whatever the situation may be. We don't have these multiple masks. We just have our face. It's never going to be perfect, but perfect isn't the point. Sometimes you've got to work a little bit more. Sometimes you've got to be a bit more present around the kids. Sometimes you've got to be more present on yourself and say, I'm suffering a little bit at the minute, so I need to just fill my own cup and to give yourself permission to do whatever it is that you need to do. And that right there is the idea of whole life balance. It's fluid, it's malleable, but it looks at this idea of you have one life, embrace it, rather than there's a work life and a personal life and all these other little segmented little lives, try to fit yourself into them. It's fitting your life into who you are rather than fitting you into all these different versions, these different buckets, these different segments. I like that on so many levels, um, <clears throat> excuse me. And especially because, I mean, there's so many reasons. It's fluid. Um, it's, it feels to me like this is an easier path to take than trying to um, balance and, and go in and out of uh, personas, you know, here's my work persona, here's my family persona, here's my focus over here, or my focus over there. I mean, that alone can be exhausting. But when you are able to really just say, this is me, and this is how these things fit right now uh, into what I'm doing, um, it feels like it's more productive. Absolutely. 
Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. <laughs> when you take a step back, and you say, what would you rather be? Would you rather be able to live a life where you're just yourself at all times? Or would you rather live a life where you feel like you have to wear these different masks so you're a certain type of person around certain type of people? Most people say, yeah, I want the first one. Yet we're led to believe growing up that the pursuit of work-life balance is be all and end all. Yeah. That we have to be a certain type of person at work. And then we have to be a certain type of person at home. And we're constantly worrying about what other people think. And look, none of this is to say that you need you need to be like this sociopathic, selfish individual who's only focusing on themselves. You've obviously got to take other people into account. You've obviously got to take your responsibilities into account. But the point here is to question it. The point here is to take that step back and go, why am I wearing this mask right now? And and do I actually have to? Would it not be more productive? Would it not be more beneficial if I maybe improve my communication with, for instance, my significant other? So there's a greater balance between the type of work I bring home and what I share with them and what's around them and what they actually feel and what they actually think. So you can actually feel okay being yourself around them. Same with your kids, same with work life and everything else. So it's just this idea of like, okay, how can I build my life around me rather than trying to split myself into these different person personas simply to get through life? Right. And most people, like I say, would choose the first one because the second one is exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's painful. <laughs> Yet we don't really question it because we're just led to believe. Mm-hmm. Do it. You know, it's fine. It's okay. You know, this is just how it is. You've got to be a certain person around people at work and you've got to be a different type of person at home. That's just how it is. But it says who? I think if there's one thing 
we deserve in life it's to to be able to live it in a way where we're just ourselves yeah not, I, not in a selfish sense where we're only ever thinking about ourselves yeah. we're only ever you know choosing things which are going to benefit ourselves we have to obviously be there for other people too but the way i see it is if you want to serve other people you first have to serve yourself yeah if you want to fill other people's cups you have to have a full cup to have some spare yeah. And one of the best things you can do to serve yourself, one of the best things you can do to fill your cup is to just feel at ease with who you are, to just feel that peace as if I'm okay just being right now. So if you can live a more whole life balance rather than splitting yourself up into all these different personas, then you're going to have more to give. You're going to have more to offer. So you will be able to help others. You will be able to serve others, whether it's, you know, through your business, whether it's people at home, whatever else. Yet we're so often so worried about coming across as selfish that all we ever do is try to be selfless. Yeah. And we can't be. It's not a selfless act if you're doing it at the expense of yourself. Right. In time, it will catch up to you just as the hustle does. Yeah. Okay, so I'm imagining there are a lot of people listening thinking to themselves, yeah, boy, that sounds so much better. But not knowing really how to pivot or, you know, move themselves to a different way of being. So what, you know, is there a good first step? Is there, what would you advise? <laughs> I mean, there's no universal solution that is for sure it's a completely different journey for different kinds of people but it for me it really kind of starts like one of those like keystone steps you can take mm -hmm. one of those really important foundational steps is to hone in on what success means to you and i say success here as just a word you can replace it with purpose meaning fulfillment you know, like what, what is it basically that you want to commit to? That's what it's about. So often we're pursuing some kind of goal or version of success or destination. But when we take the time to actually dissect it and question it, like, wow, that isn't actually that important to me. We're carrying it from maybe our childhood. It's been passed on through from our parents or just it's society's version of success. We've never really taken the time to, step back and go like what is it that i want for my life like when i get to an old man or woman and i'm laying down on my deathbed and i'm looking back on what i've done with my fleeting days what do i want it to all stand for and i don't think many people really have a good idea about they're chasing something that they feel they need to chase they assume that if they reach x then that's when they'll figure it out it'll make them happy and that's never the case what you need to do is figure out what it means to you like what success means to you what fulfillment purpose meaning means to you and if that turns out to associate with a particular 
size of business or monetary value fact if that ends up aligning with a certain type of freedom or lifestyle fact but the point is to go through that if you do that and you, if you hone in on like what success means to you like that definition what it means to you then it makes escaping the hustle a whole lot easier because you're able to constantly question what am i doing is what i'm going to say yes to right now will it take me closer to that version of success or further away am i saying yes right now because i feel i have to or because i should do same thing with the whole life balance type thing you know it becomes a lot easier to be yourself when you know what it is that you're full you're like striving for it gives you a sense of permission to go all right i know what it is that i'm achieving so i can be a bit easier on myself i can build that life around who i am but if you don't know what success means to you and you're just chasing something because you believe that's what it should be and you'll figure it out along the way then you're always going to be at the mercy of the hustle which makes it harder to have the time to escape the whole work life balance cycle so for me a big keystone step is to figure out success on your terms what does it mean what does it look like get as clear on it as possible it doesn't give you all the answers far from it but what it does is it helps you start asking the right questions and once you start asking the right questions everything thereafter becomes easier but until you start asking the right questions it's like attempting to win the lottery without even entering the lottery so you need to just start there like what does success mean to me and it will just make the next steps a little bit easier a little bit easier from there everyone's journey is different but it's just giving yourself the time to fill your cup on a daily basis with the people that i work with i'm always saying like fill your cup every single day if you need to say five or ten minutes just fill your cup mind body spirit just give yourself a little bit of what you need you cannot be selfless until you're a little bit selfish you cannot serve others until you serve yourself so just fill your cup as often as you can just a little bit often just do it just fill your cup you're allowed to it doesn't make you a bad person it doesn't make you selfish it's okay so those are the two things which people can do to just ignite something yeah i think those are are so valuable when you were talking about it the thought that kept running through my head was not only do they have to identify what their definition of success is but then they have to be able to accept it if it's not what they think society says success is or you know the norm right great point absolutely yeah it's 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 funny i i find it a lot with business owners they get sucked into this because they they follow the business owners and they yeah. compare in their chapter 5 to someone else's chapter 25 
and it's it's confusing it's overwhelming there's so many things you could do you don't know where to start so you just so you come up with this bland version of success like okay if i get to seven figures then i'll be happy because at seven figures surely i'll have enough because all these people i follow are at seven figures and they seem happier than me so yeah that's a good start i'll just build a seven figure business six figures is okay but seven figures that'll make me happy that'll make me make it easier i'll figure it out from there but then when you actually speak to someone and say well, well what is it about like what does an ideal lifestyle look like for you and maybe they start talking about okay well you know it's it's around having freedom. I'd like to have time to spend with my family. For instance, I've got a young family. I'd like to spend time with them. I'd like to have the, you know, the freedom to travel and spend a month trekking around, you know, Indonesia with the, with the family in the summer. You're like, okay. So how much do you need for all that to happen? And the amount of times when I figure, like, speak to people and they maybe need, I don't know, 100,000 for their ideal lifestyle each year or 150,000. And it's like, so why do you want to be, have a seven-figure business? If what you're wanting can be had for 100,000, but one thing you absolutely need is, is, is time and the freedom to escape. Like, will a seven-figure business that gives you maybe potentially 250,000, but not enough time, like, why do you want a seven-figure business? Would it not be better to keep it small and humble where you've just got a small team that you can know and trust that doesn't require too much of your time so you have the freedom to just leave for a month but still brings in enough money for you to live the exact lifestyle you want? It may only be a, you know, a business that turns over 200 or 250 or 300,000 a year. So to everyone else on the outside, you're you know, that successful. But to you, it gives you everything you want, at least everything you want right now. Who knows, five years from now, but everything you want right now is perfect. So yeah, if you realize that that's what you want and what you need is just X amount of money, but it won't make you seem that successful to the all eyes on Facebook and social media, then you've got to be okay with that. Right. Because otherwise you're just pursuing seven figures for the sake of it. Now, maybe you do need a seven figure business. Maybe that will help you achieve your version of success. But the point is you have to question it. And often we think we want more than we actually need. And we want that thing because we feel like we should want that thing. And sometimes the hardest thing we can do is just letting go and go, I'm going to be true to myself and screw everyone else. Yeah, I think, wow, what a valuable uh, lesson for people to embrace. Do you, I sort of feel like um, these past couple of years with the whole pandemic have helped a lot of people reevaluate what success really looks like. Do you, are you finding that as well? Yeah, I think especially people who, at least in my experience, I've noticed a lot more people who kind of worked more like the corporate lifestyle have started to question it. Um, mm -hmm. Also to an extent, people who have owned their own businesses and worked for themselves, just because we've been forced 
just take a step back. Not everyone, but a lot of people were kind of forced to take a step back. They were no longer able to keep busy with just all their work and saying yes to this, that and the other. So they were forced to just quieten it down, take a step back, work on themselves a little bit. And whether they liked it or not, that inner voice was heard. So it forced them to just reevaluate a little bit. And I think a lot of people in the more sort of corporate world started to, to really realize, wow, it, not having to do my daily commute is a game changer. Not having to go into an office is a game changer. Like what I need to, like my work, I can do it at home. Wow. You know, I can do it in coffee shops. Wow. I don't need to go into the office every day. I don't need to spend an hour going to the office and then an hour coming back. And a lot of people have realized that, okay, if I don't have to go into the office, if I don't have that business, it doesn't change who I am all that much. I think a yeah. lot of people will identify with being an, an ex, that they're, they're a teacher or they're a, an accountant or they're a lawyer. And that's kind of what they identify themselves as. And there's been people in the last few years who have had to spend a few months where they're not a teacher or a lawyer or an accountant. And they actually realize that they're still pretty damn cool who they are. They're still a valuable person. And it makes them think, well, what else could I do? Could I work for myself? Should I start a different vocation? Is this job actually what I want? Is this type of life what I want? Is this version of success I'm pursuing what I want? So yeah, I think the last few years have just helped people open their eyes a little bit. It's yeah. forced people to open their eyes a little bit because the world got quiet for a while. And yeah. we live in a really busy, loud, obnoxious world that's constantly vying for his attention. And for just a little while, a couple of years ago, it got real quiet. Yeah. And that inner voice started speaking and we had no choice but to listen. And yeah, for a lot of people, I think it began to snowball and they started to reevaluate the, their situation and their journey they're on. Yeah, because I mean, I I really think for a lot of people it changed their definition of, or it changed their priorities. Yeah, because, you know, for a variety of reasons, um, and because the whole world was going through it, it also feels like it's easier to make that shift. Like so many people yeah. are doing it, that the norms are changing as well. Yeah, I, and I liken it a little bit. I think that that period is probably going to help make it easier for people to be more open with uh, sort of their mental health moving forward. Because for a period, it was like everyone was just so utterly, completely like suffering. Yeah. And you felt okay to be suffering because you knew everyone else was. Right. <laughs> so you didn't feel weak. You didn't feel yeah. weird. You didn't feel like you were falling short or everyone else was like rising high because it was abundantly clear. Everyone was in the same boat. Everyone was suffering. So it just made you realize actually, yeah, it's okay to not be okay. And this, as you say, then priorities start coming from there. You're like, wow, my mental health does matter. Yeah. Like, wow, me being like happy and content with my work, it matters. 
like, wow, you know, me just having my health when all these other people are, you know, suffering, like that, that matters. So yeah, priorities shifted. And it gave people the permission to be a little bit more sort of human and a little bit more in touch with themselves and then a little bit more honest. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is. It really is um, a fascinating time to uh, be in the business world, uh, you know, really in, in the world in general, but but especially in the business world. And and I appreciate this information so much because maybe especially because we are we seem to be in a bit of a transition period. This is such a valuable concept and conversation for people to listen to and think about and and really embrace because um, it can make such a big difference in their not just you know the success of their business but their own personal success and happiness and um, really ability to enjoy every part of their life and work and you know the the whole thing so this is really it's great Matthew I, I love this the, all this information um, so thank you so much for spending this time with me will you let the listeners know how they can find you and you know whatever you know ways to connect with you and find your books of course the best way to connect with me is to go to beyondbook.co that's beyondbook.co there you can find out more information about the most recent one I've written called Beyond the Pale, which, yeah, is very much everything that we've talked about here, the idea of hustle and whole life balance um, in, inspired that book. And it's a fable, so it's a work of fiction, but it very much has non-fiction elements to it. So my hope is that those reading it can start to ask those important questions as you follow the journey alongside Ferdinand, who on the outside looking in is very successful and has everything anyone could ever want. But as you dig a little bit beneath the surface, you start to realize just how human he is and a lot of the things that we talked about come up. So you can read the first couple of chapters for free at beyondbook.co and there's links to where you can get a book thereafter from places like Amazon. And there's also links to my Instagram and Facebook. So if you have any questions, like if this conversation has sparked a question that you would like to ask me, like please, you know, reach out to me either via email or Instagram or Facebook or wherever else. And yeah, ask, ask away. It'd be great to connect. So beyondbook.co gives you everything you need to know about me and the book and everything else. Terrific. Thank you so much. And listeners, thank you. You're who we're doing this for. And this is definitely an episode uh, to pay very close attention to, maybe listen to a couple of times and, and then, you know, go get the book, reach out to Matthew. And if you're, if you're not already living your own definition of success, you know, do it. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. 
And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.